The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You bet it is uh, seven minutes after seven on your Wednesday evening. We are ready to go. Stan Fainzelberger is here, Skulls alongside, and Stan will be answering all of your phone calls. With your queries and questions, 416-870-6400. Bring it on live show again, of course, tonight. Ready for your calls. You have questions about your employment job, be it COVID-19, going back to work, being on a temporary layoff. You're not sure what's happening in the workplace. Uh, call us. We'd love to talk to you. Get some quick answers. Get down the right road to uh, having some more knowledge again. 416-870-6400. Lines are open here at the station. Of course, help at employmentlawyer.ca is in the uh, email address. And anytime you want to use it, absolutely free service, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And within that, you will get the severance pay calculator. So you want to check that out for for more than one reason, I would imagine. Stan, we've got a bunch of uh, topics to get through tonight and a bunch of emails and questions. But the uh, the week that was, that is your part to, uh, to kick us off, brother. How are you? What's going on? Uh, I'm doing great. Ready to go. Uh, yeah, we do have a lot to get to. So I, I wanted to make a quick... Uh, do a quick week that was, but I, I want to give our listeners just my, a recent uh, experience that I had in actually attending virtual courts. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I'm sure as many of our listeners know, back in March when COVID hit, you know, the courts, like many aspects of our lives, of our economy, they ground to a halt and really everything kind of shut down and sort of slowly but surely since then, things have been opening up. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was at attendance virtually via Zoom in a virtual courtroom sitting across from a judge in one screen and uh, defendant counsel on another. And uh, I can honestly say, John, that I was very pleasantly surprised by the smoothness of the process and just our courts in general. You know, this, this is something they've only started doing really in the last month or so. And, oh. and to see the courts adapt you know, to the present circumstances, I don't think it's a stretch to really say, John, that they've made more progress in the last four months when we're talking about flexibility of the courts, when we're talking about access to justice issues, they've made more progress in the last four months than I think they've made in the last 20 years. You know, to, to just give you an example, you know, before, before this most recent experience, everything had to be done in person. You know, that means that lawyers had to be traveling from out of town, uh, you know, to, to attend the type of motion that I did. It's called a summary judgment motion. You actually had to go to court to schedule that court date. So yeah. all, of, all of which meant more court fees for clients and wasted resources and time. And another aspect that I was very, frankly, happy with is just the way that the materials were presented to the court. You know, in the normal course, we we put together volumes of paper, killing untold amount of trees. I can only imagine. Uh, uh, and th- and this process, everything all you know, for years the court said we can't do it any other way. All of a sudden, they created an online cloud database, and all you have to do is upload all your PDF documents to the cloud, and lo and behold, everyone's got access to it. No trees killed. No no exuberant copy or photocopying fees paid by clients. And, and, you know, another example of kind of our court system moving 
into the 21st century, for goodness sake. I mean, this may shock you, John, but we can still serve, we can't serve documents via email, but I can serve documents via fax. Now, yeah. why that is, I don't know. You know, it's probably because the rules haven't been updated in 20 or 30 years. But this is just, but this most recent experience and really the last four months and watching the court system adapt and, and move through this, through this pandemic has really given me a lot of hope that we can kind of get through this and that the law will continue to apply irrespective of what's going on around us, that there's always reprieve, there's always justice available to those who need it. And from everyone that I've spoken to, you know, it, all my colleagues are much happier nowadays. They think this is the right way it should be. And really, I don't think there's any going back at this point. It just makes too much sense to continue this way. The process works. We should just keep down this uh, down this track because it's just the best, most expeditious, most cost-effective way to deliver the results that we need to get for our clients. Well said, man. I couldn't, uh, couldn't disagree, or I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, Lior said the same thing on past shows, and his partner Savannah as well about, to, and for that much, James, who works on the uh, disability side, said the same thing. It's streamlining things to a degree now that we didn't think was possible, and it looks like it's, uh, it's, uh, it's full steam ahead. By the way, you want to reach out to Stan and discuss a little more anytime. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is a way to do that here. Uh, to do that here and now, though, four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred lines open here for this uh, live show for the remainder of the hour till around 10 2 and in that regard curtis thanks for uh, for standing by for a few moments how are you i'm very good hopefully hopefully uh, you gentlemen are doing well i have a quick well not a quick i have a query mm-hmm. long story short been with an employer over 12 years uh, what i do is i do daily home renovations in a company work vehicle I am not a subcontractor. I am an employee of the company. Uh, three weeks ago, all of us, but I'll use me, all of us were given a, uh, a note by the employer saying that we are to now cover the fuel costs in that company vehicle. Now, in lieu of that, he also said he would give us a 1% raise. And uh, I've done two weeks of calculations already, and I've paid out of pocket. So I'm, I'm out quite a bit of money already, and even in lieu of the raise. I just want to know, mm-hmm. is, is he allowed to do that, or am I in the wrong, or should I grin and bear it? I, I, I'm, I feel like it's wrong, but I just need to hear a professional uh, opinion on this. Yeah, no, I, I would absolutely agree with you. You're, it definitely is wrong. Uh, your employer, you know, a contract is a contract. It's two parties coming to an agreement. And whether I don't know if you had a written contract or not, but you definitely had a contract with your employer. And that contract said the employer pays the cost of the fuel. Now, yes. if he's trying to change those terms, it, he's not allowed to do that. That's exactly what we call a constructive dismissal. Now, the numbers have to be, you know, you have to look at them to make sure that there's a substantial decrease in your earnings. But if you can show that that is what is occurring because, yeah, because of this fuel increase, and usually the you know the red line is around ten percent. Kind of a course to said anything above that constitutes a constructive dismissal. So if you've got a decrease in earnings anywhere around ten percent or more, you can take a very hard line and say like I'm not going to agree to this. And if you impose, continue to impose it upon me, uh, you have that right to claim that 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 change is in and of itself a termination of your employment, allowing you to claim severance. Right now, would you would you say hard line? 
like right now I'm hovering about this last two weeks, I'm about about a 14 to 15% decrease in pay or sorry, mm-hmm. in earn that number you gave is what do I have any right period other than the 10% to also say you can't do this or is it strictly based on a 10%? No, no, anything above 10%. So, you know, if, he, if it was something like a one or two, 5%, then it becomes a little questionable, but anything above that, if you, you know, you're talking about taking away 10% of a person's earnings, that's pretty substantial. People, you know, plan their budgets around that. That's why the courts have said that type of reduction, a unit, especially based on the unilateral changes that the employer is making, that's a constructive dismissal. And you should, if you want to pursue this, give me a call tomorrow. Happy to discuss it further with you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Curtis, appreciate uh, appreciate your time, and do reach out a couple different ways. Uh, the phone number first one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and email as well. That's simply help at employmentlawyer.ca. By the way, employmentlawyer.ca. You can go to that website anytime. You will be able to listen to past shows and links to our TV show as well. That happens on Global and CTV as well. Uh, Employment Law Show will be there. We got lots of stuff to get through uh, tonight, pal. Uh, the week that was was pretty enlightening. Mm-hmm. Um, workplace accommodation in the age of COVID. Let me uh, let me read an email we got here. It says uh, you know schools are reopening in September, but I'm I'm terrified to send my children back. I've asked my employer if I can continue to stay off work to look after my children, but they have refused and said I need to return to work. Can they force me to return, or do they have to let me stay off? That's a very common question we got now, right? Yeah, uh, I'm hearing it from a lot of people I've been yep. speaking with. Uh, obviously, as the government made this announcement very recently, and parents are rightfully concerned. You know, there's not enough, frankly, information out there about how this is going to really work, and we're all trying to figure it out. That being said, John, the reality is that, you know, the province has the authority to make this order. You know, they have the authority to open schools back up. And by taking that position, you know, they are – certifying that this is a safe situation to send your kids back to. Individual parents, you know, I I completely understand their concerns, but ultimately their subjective views and fears don't override the the province's decision-making here. So So if you're deciding that you don't want to send your kids back to school, that becomes a choice, a preference. And employers don't have to accommodate employees' preferences or choices. They have to accommodate family status issues, you know, child care issues, uh, disability issues. The reality is that parents have this option available to them. You know, even when we're talking about accommodation, especially with children, we're always talking about family status. And the court, that's one that's one of the newer, you know, less, less explored grounds of discrimination under our human rights code. But the case law that is out there has essentially established that employees have to really show that they've exhausted all potential means of accommodation for their children before they can come to their employer and ask for accommodation of them. And in this this instance, I mean, the school, you you may not like that option, but that option is available. Mm -hmm. And the, the province has said it's safe. Your employer doesn't have to accommodate you and allow you to stay home just because you don't want to send your children back to school, as terrifying as that may sound to people. 
Let's take a short break. We'll get into uh, more of these topics and many of your emails. You want to send one along, help at employmentlawyer.ca. The phone number, though, to call, just like Curtis, get some answers. Get them quick, 416-870-6400. It is 719. Lots of time to go right here Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It sure is. It is uh, 721 here and still plenty of time for you to make that phone call. Ask your questions. 416-870-6400. Email as well is help at employmentlawyer.ca. So we'll uh, we'll give it on here. Another uh, another email. Now, this these are all basically under the banner stand of uh, workplace accommodation in the age of COVID. So very timely emails. And again, imploring you to, uh, to call through here live on the show and ask your questions. Get some answers. Don't remain in the dark because that's why we've been doing this show for eight plus years uh, tammy's up next she says guys my employer wants me to come into the office despite having me work remotely for the last three months without issue can they force me to return to the office or do they have to let me work remotely from home it's interesting mm-hmm. yeah a question that's been coming up a lot as uh, as workplaces open back up and you know employers are still stuck i think a little bit in this mindset that they want everyone back in the office irrespective of the fact that you know, I think it's been shown, frankly, at this point that we are doing a pretty good job working remotely, most of us at yeah. least. Uh, but that being said, again, I mean, you know, I, I take it back to what was the agreement. And the most contracts, or written contracts, will say that your place of employment is the office. And, you know, the expectation, at least amongst the parties, even if you don't have a contract, is that you're going to work out of the employer's office. So if that's the expectation, that's the original agreement, Unfortunately, despite the pandemic, you know, if your employer is saying we're safe, we're, we've got the proper protocols, we've got the safety guidelines in place, uh, you know, you need to come back. Unless you've got some sort of medical disability that you can say, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm particularly uh, vulnerable or something of that nature, you've, you've unfortunately got to go back to work. It, otherwise, your employer can claim that you're being insubordinate and possibly even let you go with cause. You know, it's funny, though, if you look at it the other way around, for instance, if your employer puts you on a temporary layoff for three months and you accept it, then you go back to work. Now, they've earned the right to do that again. It does not work the other way, meaning that, oh, look, I've been home for three weeks like or three months now, and I'm doing my job. Everything is, you know, smooth as smooth could be. So now this should be the way I work. This is my, you know, this is my new term of employment is working from home. It doesn't work the reverse way. Well, it can. I think context is really important here because right. certainly if, you, if you're saying that an employee you know, works from the office, then they, they work from home for a few years, at some point that kind of becomes the implied term of the contract. But right. because of the you know, extremely unusual circumstances we're dealing with, uh, whether, in, whether we're talking about remote work, frankly, whether we're talking about acquiescence or layoff, I'm not sure. Sh- I'm not very confident, frankly, that just because you agree that your employer can lay you off during a pandemic, you've now agreed that your employer can lay you off for any, any and all purposes. I think that there's a distinguishment to be made there that allows you to say, no, no, I only agree to that one for very specific reasons. And I think the same can apply here when we're talking about remote working as well. Yeah. 
We'll get to uh, Jim. Jim's up next. Again, it is help at employmentlawyer.ca through email or to phone in here live and talk to us, get some answers. Stan is uh, standing by, of course, doing the show tonight. And that is 416-870-6400. And uh, it goes like this. says, I am immunocompromised and have been off work since March. My employer is now requesting that I return to the warehouse, but I'm scared for my health. What can I do as I don't want to lose my job? So this is actually a great example, John, of an individual who has legitimate needs for accommodation. You know, an individual is immune, immunocompromised. Obviously, they they have a heightened possibility of having their health affected by going back to work. So what an individual like this, what they should be doing is they should be talking to their doctor. They should be asking for a medical note that says this person doesn't have to go back to work um, mm-hmm. at this time, and they will continue to be reevaluated moving forward. And again, once you've got that medical note, and it doesn't have to say anything more than what I've just suggested, the only thing that your employer is allowed to know is your prognosis, when you're going to be back, and if there's accommodation necessary in terms of restrictions, limitations, they're allowed to know that as well. They are not allowed to know the diagnosis. They are not allowed to know why your medical professional thinks you should be off of work nor are they allowed to question your medical professional because guess what your employer doesn't have a medical degree like your doctor does and only your doctor can come to that conclusion so once you've got that medical note and you present it to your doctor to your employer that's the end of the conversation you're allowed to stay home if they take adverse action against you that's almost certainly a human rights violation 416-870-6400. That is the number to ask your questions, uh, whether it's uh, dealing with things in these COVID times or otherwise. Any employment questions, we uh, we answer them all around the clock here on the show, at least for this hour of the show, uh, around the the topic of 416-870-6400. That is the number. And in that regard, moving on to to Victor. Hey, Victor, good evening. How are you? Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, I I don't have a COVID question, so sorry. Cool. uh, change the topic we're here to answer everything and everything um i have been working throughout covid uh and my employer we've always had a joint health and safety coordinator position obviously by the law Mm -hmm. Uh, in the years in the past 10 to 15 years i've been with the company they've always assigned it to the person that was interested with the most seniority uh now they've decided to have a vote within the joint and health and safety committee which i know is the legal way to do it so the next time that position becomes available, do they have to continue with the legal way or they can or can they go back to the past precedent and just assign it to the person with the most seniority? Well, generally, I don't I, I don't believe there's any specific laws in terms of how you people are appointed. I mean, yes, in certain workplaces, but in terms of who is the the person's the people sitting on these committees i think that's a collaborative process between employees and the employer and sometimes frankly it's not a collaborative process because the employer probably has far more sway and uh an ability to make a decision in that regard all right thank you no problem. Thank you, Victor. You want to uh, you want to reach out further? No problem. Continue the conversation. Uh, easy. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And again, the number here to call us this evening till about uh, ten to eight. Got lots of time. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Joe, thanks for standing by, fella. How are you tonight? I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you bet. I work for an outfit. I work for an outfit, and uh, what's happening is a lot of 
because I service the employees of the outfit. Mm-hmm. So whatever the, whatever their needs are, I attend to them. Now, these people are at home, and they're keeping me there because I have to take care of the building. So what happens if all of a sudden tomorrow, like, they decide, okay, to keep some people to work from home, but the rest let go? And my question is, what if this company decides to claim bankruptcy and open up under another name? Can they do that, and will I be able to collect anything? Well, you know, you have to remember that bankruptcy is a is a process, and it's actually a court-monitored process. Uh, for any bankruptcy to be, you know, to actually go through, it has to be approved by the courts. So there are some levels of accountability here. And on top of which, bankruptcy means specifically that you've got more liabilities than you have assets to pay, right? That, nobody, people can't just choose to go bankrupt. You know, you actually have to show that you're in default of your creditors. So it's not quite as simple as you make it sound. But the unfortunate reality is that if the employer can satisfy a court that, yes, they don't have the assets to pay off it's all their liabilities, then they can probably go through the credit protection or bankruptcy process. And usually what that means is unsecured creditors, such as employees like yourself, end up kind of without much, if anything. Okay. Okay, got it. Okay, thanks. That's all I wanted to know. Sure, Joe, no problem. If you have any other questions, uh, you know you can reach out any time on another show and another evening that we do, be it uh, you know Monday night, Wednesday night, the weekend shows as well, or call Stan directly, one 821 5900 Is that phone number help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address we use. Um, what is infectious disease emergency leave, Stan, and when does it end? Infectious disease emergency mm-hmm. leave, what is that? So that's actually uh, a new leave that the government, the provincial government passed certain regulations and came into force specifically on May 29th. So what this essentially said is that anybody who was at the time laid off or had their hours reduced or had their wages reduced, from a statutory purpose, they were no longer you know, on layoff, or those, the hour reductions, the wage reductions, those people were now transitioned to this infectious disease leave of absence. Essentially trying to create some stability and some cover for employers while they try to navigate these very difficult waters. Uh, And that's been in effect now. It's actually, it was backdated to the beginning of March. And specifically, the regulations say that this will continue until six weeks after the uh, the provincial declaration is lifted. And as, as I'm sure many of us know, provincial declaration was lifted back on the 24th of July. So for the purposes of this infectious disease leave of absence, uh, essentially that is set to end on September 4th. And after that, employers actually are required, at least based on the regulations, we don't know how this is all going to play out in practice per se, yeah. but based on the regulations, just like, you know, if you're coming back from a mal leave, an employer has to take you back to work. If you're coming back from infectious disease uh, emergency leave, your employer has to provide you with your job back. 416-870-6400. Still have lots of time. We've got phone lines open. Bring your calls on. We'd love to uh, love to talk to you. Ralph, thanks for uh, taking the time. How are you tonight? I'm doing the best I can. How are you? Love it. Still uh, still fogging up a mirror, brother. What's, uh, what's on your mind? Oh. I am a 13-year employee. Mm-hmm. My company, uh, when I was hired, at, at five years of service, we had 3% deposited by the company into your RSP. At 10 years of service, it would be 6%. Okay. 
my company has used uh, the COVID uh, excuse to stop paying into that. Do I have any grounds or action uh, breach of contract here? Because I, I put in my time and they are not honoring their end. Yeah, again, this is back to that uh, constructive dismissal analysis. We just have to look at the fact that they're making unilateral changes to the agreement that you had with your employer, and you don't have to accept those changes. You can choose to treat those changes as if they're terminating your employment and ask them to pay you a severance because of that. Now, I am a truck driver. Mm -hmm. In October, the laws changed where they had to give – additional benefits, uh, another week of uh, vacation time. And I understand that the law has penalties involved, that they're not allowed to take action against senior employees to recoup those costs. Well, I mean, certainly your employer is never allowed to deduct, you know, to decrease your wages or to uh, deduct some something because they've given you something else. Uh, if you're a truck driver, it depends on whether you're provincially or federally regulated. Because if you cross, yeah, so you pro, then that means you cross provincial or international borders. Well, I don't. I'm local, but they but classify the as a federal company. Yeah, yeah the, the company itself does. So the laws are slightly different around that. But I mean, just the the general principle, and you know, regardless of whether you're federally, provincially regulated, what have you, everyone is covered by the common law. And the common law doesn't allow any party, frankly, but it's usually the employer, to make unilateral decisions which adversely affect the other party that never agreed to them in the first place. That, again, what we call a constructive dismissal and allows you to take certain action in civil court. Mm-hmm. So I, I would have to take them to court to defend my position. Uh, there, you, there is the, uh, the Department of Labor which is kind of like the Federal Ministry of Labor, where you mm-hmm. can make a complaint through that department and will be inv- investigated in a, a similar way to a Ministry of Labor complaint. So if you have a complaint about wage deductions, about improper pay, you can, uh, but don't want to take the drastic action of leaving your employer, you can go that route and make a complaint through that Department of Labor. I see. That, that would probably result in a poisoned work atmosphere. Well, you know, it, I mean, the reality is that your employer can't take any negative re- reprisal against you if you choose to exercise your rights, even if it turns out that you were wrong in exercising your rights and you weren't actually owed the money you thought you were. You have an absolute right to make a complaint. Uh, if your employer takes uh, some sort of negative steps against you because of that, that's, that can lead to further complaints. Now, that's the law. The reality is that you're probably right. Your employer will probably take it <laughs> very poorly and may decide to do things uh, that adversely affect you. So you, you're right to be considering those factors. But at some point, you know, you have to draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. You know, I've been mistreated. I've been abused. I don't really care what happens at this point. I just want what's fair and what's, what's, what's right. Well, a further concern of mine is my uh, length of service. I'm 55 years old, mm-hmm. and, and I, I'm not too far away from the 15 years of service, and if I go somewhere else, I would lose uh, my vacation time, and I don't have enough uh, working future to gain that back. 
these are all legitimate factors to be considering. I mean, these are not easy decisions. Uh, there's a lot of potential, you know, positive and negative consequences to any decisions. But that's part of the, you know, the autonomy that you have. You you get to make that decision. It may not be a, a decision you're happy to make, but that's part of the way our democracy and our economy work. Appreciate the call, my brother. You want to reach out and have a further discussion? Uh, you can do so with Stan. Remember the team. Uh, going to move on one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That number, or simply email help at employmentlawyer.ca. Still got some time here, though, to make your phone call four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. We do the Monday night show, the Wednesday night show here in the Employment Law Show, and the weekend bout as well. And you can also catch the TV show on the weekends too. Workday uh, workplace accommodation in the age of COVID. That's the general topic we're using here another question i know you always get is does my employer have to let me stay home to look after my kids until the start of the new year so we're talking what a little over a month from now do they have to let you stay home until that happens based on what we think so far the framework with the uh tdsb is going to be yeah i mean certainly you know the the, the provincial government passed some regulations early on during covid when School started shutting down when daycare started shutting down. That said, that if you are a parent and you have no place to put your child, your employer has to let you stay home, whether that means working from home remotely or whether that means putting you on a temporary layoff to allow you to ensure that somebody is there to look after your children. And the same is, I don't believe those regulations have been changed as of yet. School year hasn't started as of yet. Daycares are still extremely sparse and hard to get into. Those regulations still continue to apply. If you've got no other options, you know, can't send them to school, can't send them to daycare, you can you can stay home, and your employer has to accommodate that. Jason is our next guy up through emails. Jason says, hey, guys, love the show. Listen, I work for a, a large international corporation with headquarters in the U.S. I'm a salesperson for them and work from home in Ontario where the company doesn't have an office. Unfortunately, the company is downsizing and I'm being laid off. When I talked to HR, they said they considered me a U.S. employee and I'm not entitled to severance. Uh, They showed me the contract I signed, which apparently said I agreed to New York law. Is this contract legal? Yeah, uh, this comes up more than you think, uh, John. Something I've seen a lot of times and, you know, as our listeners may know, in the United States, they have what's called at-will employment. What that yeah. means is they can get rid of you. They don't owe you anything. No notice, no severance, no no reference letter, no pat on the back, nothing. So very oftentimes that's extremely oppressive when we're talking about an employee who's worked in Ontario their whole lives and all of a sudden, hey, what do you mean New York law applies to me? And the reality is that most of the time, you know, in, except for some very unique circumstances, that contract's not going to be legal. Because if you work in Ontario, you pay taxes on Ontario, you know, uh, you're, su- you're ultimately subject to Ontario law. And Ontario law, as the ESA says, you can't contract out of the ESA. You can't provide for anything less than the Employment Standards Act. And at-will employment is certainly a lot less than the Employment Standards Act provides for anyone. You bet. You bet. Most of the time, that contract is not legal. It's a jurisdictional question. Um, a lot of American employers try to throw that into contracts to get away with not paying people anything. You know, again, the courts don't look at it that way. 
They look at, do you have a real and substantial connection to the province? And does Ontario, should Ontario jurisdiction apply to you? And the courts will, I mean, ultimately, if you're spending all your time here, your clients are here, you're paying taxes here, you're probably an Ontario employee. 416-870-6400. 416-870-6400. Still got a couple minutes here to get a call in. Uh, Steve, you're up next, pal. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? We're uh, we're hanging in there, my friend. What's on your mind? Okay, I've uh, been with a company 30-plus years. Nice. Um, and traditionally, they well, since this COVID, they've uh, forced us to work Saturdays between shift overtime, after shift overtime. Um, they've moved... Um, a holiday that we get, let's say it's July 1st, uh, they've moved days to different days and made us work to catch up and given us days at, a, at another time. They've also given bonuses out for 30 years uh, at the same time the pandemic hit and they've taken that away. And we usually get a, a, a wage increase um, around the same time as a pandemic. So there was no wage increase. There was no bonus. Um, sort of stuff like that. So I'm just wondering, uh, they've take the, they've forced us to take unpaid time or use uh, holidays or sick time for uh, being off uh, during the COVID. So what hmm. my question is, is that allowed or, or what? There's uh, certainly a lot to unpack there, Jason, because some of the things you said are, you know, the employer is certainly allowed to do that. And some of the things that, sounds like they're probably not allowed. You know, so to, to give you an example, uh, it, you, know, you mentioned that your employer is forcing you to use vacation time. Well, the Employment Standards Act actually says that the employer can dictate when you use your vacation. So if they're forcing you to use it now, that's perfectly fine and in compliance with the Act. Now, you mentioned something about making you work weekends and changing your shifts and possibly taking away a bonus for no reason or because of COVID. So those things are very likely, you know, very suspicious, I would say. Have to know a little bit more about the context. But in general terms, I would say that they can't just use this as an excuse to now implement all the policies they've been trying to implement forever but haven't been able to because they haven't had that opportunity. Uh, COVID is not an opportunity for employers to get rid of people to put to abuse people, you know, COVID is a, COVID is a pandemic. Like there should be more cooperation in understanding these situations, and it, it, it's unfortunate that employers are using it this way, and that your employer is using it this way. Okay. Uh, question is, if mm-hmm. there is, um, you know, the, they haven't done this correctly, and I can consider this uh, constructive dismissal. Um, the thing is, is I've been there thirty years, so. I am right now I can keep working or I can be pensioned off like I have achieved pensionable time. So I was planning on working longer, but, Mm -hmm. you know, would I still, because I can receive a pension from them, can I also do constructive dismissal because I I was staying longer? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, pension is kind of a completely mutually exclusive thing. You know, the way to kind of think about that is, it's accrued wages. You already earned that money. You earned that money over the last 30 years. If they get, it gets paid out to you now, that's like somebody paying you back, the, paying you money that you've already earned. So it's a mutually exclusive consideration entirely from the constructive dismissal consideration. Okay. 
All right, Steve. Appreciate the call. We're gonna uh, we're gonna move on here. We're just about out of time, and uh, we'll wrap it for another night. If you want to reach out to Stan or a member of the team, do so. Appreciate all your phone calls. Here is how you do that. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The email address we use all the time: help at employmentlawyer.ca. And of course, the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That is like having a employment lawyer with you at all times. And included in that is the severance pay calculator. So check that out as well. Back here on the weekend for another edition of the Employment Law Show, and go to uh, employmentlawyer.ca for more links, including our TV show as well. Do not go anywhere. Coming right back with On Point on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.